Spotlight the stage. I think our longest running and probably one of our most beloved communities. We've got Track Tech here with Alan Adler. Subscriber count well over 10,000 by now, Alan. We're excited to talk a little bit about LIDAR today. Let's break it down. Numbers first. It's over 12. I haven't looked lately, Ugh. but we're doing well. It's still still growing, which is a good thing. So you want to talk LIDAR first. You know, it's interesting. This is not breaking news. This is expected. But uh, back in November, uh, two of the LIDAR players, Alster and Velodyne, announced that they would be merging. This is part of a shakeout, quite honestly, that we started writing about back in 2021, that it was coming. And, and uh, I really followed up much on it since uh, Brian Strait, when he was here, wrote about the, the initial announcement of the merger. It closed this weekend, so I had a chance to catch up with uh, with uh, with Angus Pakala, who is the CEO at Alster. We've known each other for a while, and he took me through sort of the, the rationale, how this all worked. And you know, he's very bullish on his own company. Now, you know, if you look at the stock price, you're not going to be too too bullish on it unless you're you know kind of a value investor but the the truth is they are turning out uh you know they're they have a, a good gross margin on their business selling uh, equipment that basically helps the vision um, for autonomous trucks and a lot of other things you know they have a number of verticals including you know warehouse robotics and things like that where they provide lidar uh which is which is essentially you know bouncing light off to see the the distance that something is away so you know, Alster, you know, has done pretty well on the revenue side. They, they're, you know, not at profitability yet, but they certainly have continued to, to bring in uh, revenue and customers. Velodyne, which, you know, came out of the gate in a really good way. I think they were initially valued at a, a billion eight or something like that back in 2020. Um, it really never quite caught on. And so, you know, these two ended up merging. And what's really interesting here is that a year ago, they were fighting it out in court over patent infringement. So, you know, those things have all been kind of put to rest. Everybody's getting along well and uh, and, and they're going forward. But uh, but this is indicative of what's happening in the LIDAR space. There will be more uh, mergers or more likely there will be failures because there's just not enough room for everybody to provide this technology across the board and, and uh, you know, excuse me, to, to an industry that only needs probably, you know, call it three to five players to provide this technology. And Alan, we're looking at LiDAR and the race to perfect it. Is that biggest thing really to really be operating, to be able to operate around the autonomous market or will there be other applications for this? Well, the other applications, like I mentioned, uh, you know, where, uh, Anthony, you know, warehouse, uh, you know, vision and, and things like that. There are a lot of uses for LIDAR. I mean, we we're interested because of the autonomous truck space. And, you know, we've got other examples, you know, where companies like Blackmore, which was a standalone company out of Montana, was absorbed by Aurora Innovation. And then Aurora turned that into a company or, you know, a technology called First Light. And, you know, so there have been other examples but we had a, a big wave uh, in 2021 of these companies all grabbing for the gold, that is the SPAC money, and uh, and going public uh, probably before they were ready. Maybe they just, 
you know, felt they had to get out there. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's a tough road for, for many of them. Even the leader in this space, uh, which I would su- suggest is Luminar, you know, has its own issues uh, right now. I mean, you know, they've all seen their stock price fall a lot. But again, we've talked about that. It's only a single metric. But, uh, you know, cash is something to keep an eye on. And then also just, you know, just customer base. I mean, are they getting customers? Um, you know, Alster had a, a deal with Plus to do sort of close in kind of uh, the, the radar that you need around the vehicle, you know, call it, you know, 20 meters or, or whatever. And they got that with Plus, and they got Torque as a customer, which is the independent subsidiary of Daimler Truck uh, for autonomy. So, you know, these kinds of things are, if you don't get the customers and, and get the contracts, you're not going to last, right? That's true for any business. And the interesting thing about LiDAR is that as a remote sensing technology, the tech itself isn't necessarily new. We've been using it in remote sensing for science and sciences for a very long time. What's new is the application to the autonomous truck space. Do we see that LiDAR has been used before in autonomous passenger vehicles, like are the ones that have been developed over previous years, or is this like the new actual vehicle application is that new application of LiDAR overall? Well, you know, Kaylee, we have obviously focused on the truck side, but it is very big in cars. I mean, autonomous, uh, you know, ride hailing and, you know, things like that. There's even some applications for for LIDAR in, you know, uh, assisted driving rather than, you know, full autonomous driving. So, yeah, the, the car market is very big. And that's where, you know, Luminar, as I mentioned a moment ago, they've done very well in the car space. Uh, Alster has some car clients uh, coming up. You know, there's going to be, you know, markets around the world, notably Europe. Uh, for this technology. So it's just going to be, you know, who who has the best mousetrap and and provides the, the best reliability in these systems. Um, you know, it's very narrow to just look at the truck industry for LiDAR. That's why we don't cover it kind of on a weekly basis, because it's an enabling technology and it's a very important technology, but it applies to, you know, the passenger car vehicle market, as you mentioned, just as much or more than it does to trucks. And Alan, what does the next uh, potential year look like here? I mean, you, you mentioned, of course, it's likely going to be some shakeout here, um, some consolidation, some mergers, some acquisitions. Um, do you see any significant steps forward in this area? Well, it's really hard for me. As I said, we're not covering this on a weekly basis. So it's really hard to know, you know, week to week, you know, who's in, in what position. I mean, I would not have predicted Velodyne and, and, and Alster because if you're not paying attention and you're not watching it, you know, things are going on behind the scenes and maybe even there's public hints that, that you're not going to catch if you're not watching. So I can't really give you a, a, a roadmap to what's happening. I think you just have to look at this the way we look at even autonomous trucking, and that is, how many do we really need, uh, you know, once we have the redundant chassis to put these systems on, how many do we really need and, and, and what is going to be the one that uh, one or two or three that people really want? So let's move into Truck Tech, our show this afternoon and Truck Tech, the newsletter coming out. Starting with the show, what can we expect to see this afternoon, four o'clock today? Well, we had big news this week uh, from Cummins, and it's it's been surprisingly, you know, the the, the take on the story about the introduction of a new uh, ten liter uh, engine that can run, you know, obviously on diesel to start with, and then they'll make a version for hydrogen, they'll make a propane version, and so forth. A ten liter engine really is a tweener; it fits between the medium duty needs and heavy duty needs. As as engines get smaller, and or I should say, engine displacements get smaller, uh, you know, moving forward, and the weight factors and things like that, 
Cummins is replacing two of its legacy products, the uh, X12, which is in, in a lot of use, and the L9, which also has a big customer base in that medium duty uh, area, uh, with one engine uh, in 2026. This is happening tomorrow. But it's interesting because uh, we have um, uh, Jose Sampiero, who is the new head of On Highway for Cummins, uh, coming on the show today, as well as Andrew Robel, who is uh, with the powertrain consultant group called Ryan Associates. So we'll have a good discussion with them this afternoon. And we'll obviously talk about this 10X product and, uh, excuse me, X10 product. And we'll also get into sort of the, the, you know, where are things headed from an alternative fuels perspective in engines and, and that kind of stuff. So it should be a really interesting conversation, we hope. I love that. And I love that you brought up Cummins because I've read about it in headlines really the past three days, talking about bringing their new power division into profitability and really honestly positive reviews from CEO Jennifer Rumsey now. Is that kind of the thread over there at Cummins? Is they're really excited about what's coming to the forefront and they're they're dropping all of this really exciting technology developments offerings to get that new power division turned over? Well, uh, new, new power is fascinating because, you know, we spotted that a while back. We've had a- Amy Davis, uh, you know, on the shows around, you know, in freight on Freightways a number of times. She's the president of that unit and she'll be with us uh, in March on, on Truck Tuck, as a matter of fact. But um, I, I think that, you know, there's a change underway at Cummins. They're always going to be a diesel engine company as long as there's diesel. And we all agree that's going to be for another couple of decades anyway. So they're going to be a leader there. They are. They supply everybody. Uh, you know, even if companies make their own engines, they also offer a Cummins uh, engine. So they're going to be fine in the diesel space, and that's paying for, quite honestly, a lot of what's happening in new power. New power is focused on uh, on 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 fuel cells. It's focused on these electrolyzers that we wrote about last week. Uh, that's a, a hydrogen chemical making, making a uh, you know, chemical uh, reaction that, that makes hydrogen and, and the devices for those. So new power gets a lot of attention at Cummins at some point, and this is something that Jennifer Rumsey's predecessor, uh, Tom Weinberger, told me, he said, at some point you are going to see a flip where Cummins is better known for the new power stuff, including uh, absorbing, you know, Meritor, which was a big $3.7 billion acquisition last year, you know, to make fully uh, you know, fully integrated electric uh, 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 products for the trucking industry. And so they've got their fingers in everything at Cummins, and it's something to keep watching. Uh, they also happen to like Valentine's Day. It was a year ago on Valentine's Day that they announced that they would start doing these, uh, what they call fuel agnostic engines that can run on different uh, uh, different fuels. And of course, they extended that with the uh, with the X10 engine this week. Definitely going to be intriguing to watch for sure. And real quick, when can people watch that episode that's going to be coming out today? Live today, Anthony, at 4, four o'clock Eastern, uh, Truck Tech on FreightWaves TV. Then it'll go right to podcasts on Apple and Spotify and kind of your favorite platforms. Um, you know, we are part of the community now, which is which is great. And, uh, you know, we'll be back with you, I guess, on Friday to talk about what we're going to have in the newsletter. Awesome, Alan. Thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you on Friday. Right now, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more Freight News Now.